This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Folks, we always do well when we hear from our good brother at the Community Justice Action Fund. The Executive Director Greg Jackson joins us on Make It Plain. Brother, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Doing well. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. What you up to these days? Well, I'm down in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, uh, here with other uh, members of Congressional Black Caucus, just helping um, helping think through some policy solutions around gun violence at their annual retreat. And so it's exciting to be here. It's pretty hot and muggy, but uh, but in good company. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was actually supposed to be. I'm not going to make it after all. I'll be doing a show about it. They're having a gala at the Mound Bayou Museum mm-hmm. this weekend where um, Mega Evers was from and other folk that we know Mound Bayou was, I guess Mound Bayou was sort of the, the, the Tulsa of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Or they probably would rather me say Tulsa was the Mound Bayou of Oklahoma, but <laughs> be right. that as it may. I was almost <laughs> with you in the heat, but I'm, I'm not gonna be able to make it um, um, myself after all. Um, it's all good. But I'll, I'll represent you brother at the, uh, 50th anniversary of hip hop at Yankee Stadium this weekend. So, uh, I, awesome. I, I, hey, got, I, I got you covered on that. Why you? Gonna yeah, I don't know. I might, <laughs> I might want to switch places with you. <laughs> but, <laughs> enjoy that, my man, my man. So, first of all, speaking of gun violence, talk to our audience. Let our audience know first of all who may not be aware exactly the work that the Community Justice Action Fund does. Yeah. So, um, you know, we are focused on uh, addressing the crisis of gun violence as it impacts black and brown communities, but really doing that through narrative change and empowering our communities to tell our stories, um, organizing communities to fight for policy change. Um, and then lastly, recommending and directly uh, lobbying for uh, bold policy. Uh, we know that this is a crisis that is uh, impacting black and brown communities more intensely, um, with it being now the number one cause of premature death. Uh, for black men and black youth, and number two, cause of premature death for black women and Latino uh, men. And so this is not just a, an issue we should be focused on. This is um, literally life or death for our communities and and the leading health crisis. And so our organization is really hyper-focused on policy solutions and organizing communities to fight for change on this issue. And uh, that also includes organizations and communities conducting intervention on the ground to exactly at, 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 the, at the source, correct? Yeah. So one of the, the most powerful things that we've been a part of was helping to build a network of organizations across the country that are doing violence prevention and intervention in their own communities. Um, the Fund Peace Campaign has over 340 organizations across the country from L.A. to Dallas to Chicago to New York to Miami. Um, that are all working together and aligned and really advocating together, too, for more resources for these life saving strategies. And so that was one of the the exciting campaigns we were able to help build. Um, but we definitely are, um, I guess, the the leading advocacy organization, um, but also but part of a huge network of just amazing activists across the country. And the big news today mm-hmm. is that you have made an endorsement in yeah. the presidential race, correct? 
Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a huge day. I mean, we are joining organizations like every town Giffords, moms demand action, uh, and Brady as well as March for our lives collectively endorsing, uh, the Biden Harris administration for reelection. And this is critical because we have seen since day one that the Biden Harris administration has been committed to not just, uh, addressing mass shootings and school shootings, but really focused on how violence impacts black and brown communities. Uh, the first series of executive actions, uh, I was there and so many other leaders in our space were there. Um, and we saw for the first time a president prioritize strategies to address violence in our communities um, and not just what's sensationalized on the media. Um, since his election, you know, in this term, we've seen four executive actions that have been specifically focused on providing resources and strategies. Um, to help communities um, be empowered to address violence. And we've also seen, you know, our proposals for funding for community violence intervention, for all a government approach, for strengthening victim services, all of those things that we've been asking for as a community for decades uh, have been prioritized in this administration um, time and time again. So we not only have a great champion, we have uh, in, in President Biden uh, really the strongest uh, fighter for addressing violence in our communities in history. And that's something we have to protect. And we also have to build on that momentum into the second term. Greg, have we seen yet the manifestation of any real results or reductions in gun violence as yeah. a result of what the Biden administration has done? Yeah, I mean, the most recent report shows a 12% reduction um, in, in gun-related uh, violence across the country. And if you look at what has happened in our country um, over the last year, the only big change has been the, the increased investment in community violence intervention and prevention strategies. And that was spearheaded by the Biden-Harris administration um, after so many advocates fought for this. You know, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act included $250 million for community violence intervention. We also saw $50 million included in the um, annual budget that was spearheaded and proposed by Biden, um, which included this as a huge priority. Uh, but one other major thing that we've seen that's having an impact is that when American Rescue Plan dollars were rolled out to address the COVID-19 crisis, the Biden administration made it very clear that part of these resources should be used to address gun violence and investing in community-led strategies. And we've seen now around $2 billion of those COVID relief funds going into communities specifically focused on helping um, and investing in community violence intervention strategies. And so the big shift that we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic around public safety has been this, this major wave and strengthening of community violence intervention strategies. And now we're starting to see that dip that we know that is possible. So um, I'm excited about it. I would encourage you too, to even look at the city level in Baltimore, for example, they did a study on Safe Streets Baltimore, which is their street outreach program, and they found that every neighborhood that they're in has seen a 26 percent uh, on average reduction uh, in gun-related violence um, since they since they entered or or selected that neighborhood. And that type of trend we're seeing all over the country where these investments have been made. And that that certainly does make a difference, doesn't it? Because mm -hmm. that's an opportunity to reach sisters and brothers in the neighborhoods on the corners and, and young people as well, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, these programs that are being resourced now with federal dollars are working in hospitals, 
They're working in in people's um, homes. They're sitting down with those who have been impacted. They're negotiating ceasefires between groups that maybe have had long going feuds. Um, and and frankly, they're just intervening and disrupting a cycle of violence through um, evidence based trauma informed conflict resolution and care. And we know this works. We've seen it work time and time again. What we haven't seen is the political prioritization of this work. And we haven't seen historically the funding, um, but we're starting to see that now and the results are expanding. And so we're, we're really, really fired up about that. I think one other um, big thing that's really impactful is that Biden also uh, implemented the, the VOCA fix. So the Victims of Crime Act fix that helped open up doors to make sure that um, folks who have been harmed by violence now have a greater opportunity to, to obtain uh, financial compensation to help them deal with the burden um, of being harmed by an act of violence. And so um, we're excited about the work being done to prevent harm, but we're also um, really excited about the the heightened focus on serving and supporting those who have already experienced loss. And you all at Community Justice also make the case that this needs to be treated like a public health crisis. Yes. How are we doing in terms of encouraging that approach, encouraging that attitude. I mean, everybody, COVID, I mean, we dealt with COVID. Everybody came together, you know, got mobilized around COVID. How can we bring that public health aspect more to the forefront and have people think about it in that way? Yeah, I mean, I think it first starts with the data, you know, um, and just a quick personal story. You know, I was shot in 2013 and I'll never forget the most traumatizing moment was when I entered the hospital and there were three police officers waiting for me. And I had to go through interrogation before I could even meet my surgeon. And I nearly died during those interrog interrogation moments. And unfortunately, America sees this crisis as a, a crime problem first and a health problem second. Uh, and I went through that and so many survivors have gone through that. Um, but I think it starts with the data. The first thing to acknowledge is that in the black community, um, only 30% of homicides are connected to another felony. And so we have to just realize that, you know, over two thirds of what's happening is really in a personal conflict that's not related to criminal activity at the felony level. Um, and so we have to start to explore and lean into those strategies and solutions. And so we have to make sure we do a better job at pushing, pushing that data forward. Um, but as far as progress on just acknowledging this as a public health crisis um, on December 1st of 2020, um, then candidate um, Biden, um, actually acknowledged this as a public health crisis. And since he's been in office, we've seen historic strides and really just stepping up and claiming this as a public health problem. We had the first um, CDC director in history um, acknowledge this as a public health crisis and did a, their own 60-minute uh, story on this issue and how that's a priority for them. So we've seen the CDC, the Department of Health and Human Services really lean in um, and acknowledge this and push for more resources, uh, produce more report reports and research um, and really making sure that this is a part of what they're uh, what they're approaching. Um, so that's been a big win. Uh, but I think what's where we're getting the acknowledgement verbally, we're starting to see some of the, the key um, leaders in federal and the federal government step up and led by the president. Um, but now we're getting to the real part of this where we need to see a public health response. And that's where the dollars need to be invested in the public health strategies, the hospital-based strategies, the community-based strategies, the, the human service side of this fight is still extremely underfunded. And so that's what we're continuing the fight for and hoping that, you know, once we reelect Biden, that we can 
build on the, the initial momentum around the rescue plan and the COVID relief approach um, and start to build out a true public health response to the crisis of gun violence. You mentioned the hospital-based strategies are, are for lack of a better word, I guess those hospital institutions or what have you, are, are they coming on board as allies finally? I mean, are we finding that to be the case? Yeah, I mean, we are. We are. And it's it started, I mean, it's almost grassroots, right? We're seeing at the city level entire health systems step up. Um, Baltimore being another great example. Um, Chicago, New York, we're seeing hospital systems really lean into this issue. Um, even in Seattle, you know, Seattle, Washington, uh, where this is a crisis that is heavy on them, but maybe the numbers aren't as high. We're seeing the hospital systems really lean in and build out their violence reduction and victim service programs. And many of them are starting to invest and fund and community focused strategies and whether they're partnering or building out a branch. Um, we're excited to see that from the ground up. What's been um, powerful really the last few months, though, is that we're starting to watch some of the national organizations really, really step in. And um, we found some new allies um, like the uh, American Association of Medical Colleges, for example, who are starting to lean in and talk more about this issue. And so I think we're at a tipping point where it's more than just city-based hospital systems. I think we're at a tipping point where we're going to start to see um, the health uh, health world as a whole really lean into this. Um, in fact, uh, May 23rd of this year, the American um, Public Health Association acknowledged gun violence as the uh, number one premature cause of death for all Americans um, at this point, based on the data that they're seeing. And um, the fact that they're looking at this as a public health crisis and starting to report on it um, is definitely a good sign. No, it is a good sign. And you mentioned the cities because we know, I mean, to be honest with you, a, a lot of these fights are local. You yeah. know, um, yeah. I mean, police are governed locally, y'all. Election boards, school boards, they're all governed locally. So mm -hmm. um, it, it, I guess that speaks to, and as you described what's going on in some of the cities, Greg, that speaks to the importance of working and mobilizing people locally. And, and I know community justice has been doing that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it all starts local. And for a lot of the, the strategies that we know can save lives, the foundation of their budgets are city budgets, you know, um, and city level funding. And that's where a lot of the fights um, need to happen. Uh, what we're thankful for, though, is that with Biden and, and at the federal level, we have every Democrat in the House and the Senate. Uh, we have Biden. We have Harris. All of them are, have been bought in have publicly spoke about this. The president talked about this in the State of the Union twice um, about the need for funding, uh, violence intervention and community-based solutions. And so we're seeing at the highest level of government um, enthusiasm and, and really championing this these approaches. Um, and so now we have to follow through and make sure that city levels are stepping up to the plate because um, the tone has been set. And that, that really takes localized activism uh, and just folks from from our neighborhoods, whether they're survivors or community leaders, to really push push forward and hold our leaders accountable to follow through what the rest of the country already has acknowledged as, as life-saving work. The political analysts tell me even on this show that 2024 is gonna be about two issues. Um, Dobbs reversal of Roe, and we saw what just happened in Ohio the other day, um, and democracy and Trump and the indictments and all of that. But it seems to me this ought to be it ought to be three and it ought to be this one because we, we all have become so victimized. You know, it, it, it's it's no longer that'll never happen to me. Everybody in America today 
is perhaps one person removed from gun violence. We are, if we haven't been a victim, we know someone who has, all of us. So um, how do we make that, make the issue of gun violence as, as big and as prevalent as women's bodily autonomy, as Trump trying to steal democracy? Yeah. You know, I think there's there's a couple things. First, we have to make sure that the American people know that there's 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 plenty that we can do to address this crisis. I think it's such a a large, scary and overwhelming um, issue for so many that sometimes it's easy to overlook just the small things that can have a big impact. And so we have to show our folks that there are things we can do to change this issue, that it doesn't have to be this way. Um, and those policy changes and, and budget changes are within our reach with the right leaders. Um, I think the second thing is that we've got to, you know, frankly, empower more survivors. You know, the momentum we've seen over the last four years is not just because of the Biden-Harris administration. It's also because of the the very strong, um, you know, movement of survivors, of those who've lost a loved one or those who've been harmed themselves frontline service providers, hospital-based workers, street outreach workers, all the people who are a part of the solution um, have banded together and that community continues to grow. And I think that's how we really, really move this forward. You know, most of the major issues that we've seen, um, whether it's women's health or climate, um, has also seen a, a wave of really strong and, and large uh, number of activists. And so I think the more that we can empower more people that have been impacted to step up and be a part of the solution and fight for change. Um, the, the more likely we'll be able to reverse this, but definitely the more likely that we'll be able to make sure this issue is front of mind um, at, at the polls. Speaking of Ohio, though, and what people are doing with, with the yeah. Dobbs piece, are there, and there may have been, these things may already be happening, and I may not know about them, so forgive me, but are there ballot initiatives on the issue of gun violence that we can employ? You know, I think that's a strategy that we could definitely lean into. I've only heard of, of a couple. I believe there was one in Washington a few years back, the state of Washington. Um, but this upcoming election, I'm not aware of any, um, not to say that there aren't any, but I think that's an area that um, would work, frankly, because we know that the American people overwhelmingly support um, universal background checks they support assault weapons ban. They support investing in these strategies um, and they support um, responsible gun ownership regulations. Um, and so I like that approach. It's something I've thought a lot about over the years, but I don't think I don't know if we'll see too many this this year. Yeah, well, I'm not this year. I mean, just down the road. Yeah, I like yeah, that. No, we, I mean, should. Well, we should talk about that because I'm, I'm definitely about that life. I mean, we need to I mean, people, yeah. are think, I think, are realizing the power they have with these ballot initiatives. And mm -hmm. we should perhaps think about some of those. So look, finally, let's just make the case, man. Everybody needs to listen to what Greg is about, the answer to his question I'm about to ask him. What happens if the alternative is restored? If Trump goes back in the office, if Democrats don't win back the House, if Democrats lose the Senate, what happens then, Greg? How much worse will this public health crisis be? Yeah, I mean, we have seen... Um, hmm. I mean, since since 2019, we've seen a 47 percent increase in gun related deaths in America. Um, 
And this went from being an issue to impact certain communities to now being something that impacts every community. And, and I think that trend is only going to get worse if we don't have leaders that are focused on all of government comprehensive approach. Um, we know that more guns in our communities do not make us safer. Um, we know that we have to do more than law enforcement um, and incarceration, you know, is not going to fix the problem. And unfortunately, that's what the other side is pushing, you know, less regulations, uh, more guns in our communities. And the only answer they have for it is harsher sentencing uh, and more patrolling and law enforcement. And we have to think about what that means. You know, that's not what law enforcement is advocating for. That's not what the American people advocate advocating for. And then if you look at every city and state that's, that's made that uh, uh, approach, uh, their approach, whether it's Louisiana or Florida, we're seeing their numbers skyrocket faster um, than places like Massachusetts and New York. And so, um, you know, this this crisis will only get worse. And I think right now we have a champion, at least at the top, that understands that it takes more than just a crime approach, that it requires all of government, but really all of community and society approach to address this crisis and is brave and bold enough to take on the gun industry, right? And to hold them accountable um, and, and if we lose that, um, we could spiral, you know, into a place where the, the violence that we're seeing on TV, uh, unfortunately, uh, may be in your backyard. Um, and, and that's something I think no one wants to experience. It's one thing to be traumatized from witnessing something. It's another when it's your family, you know, or it's you, uh, in the hospital bed. So, um, so those are really the stakes. And, and for all of our black and brown listeners, I mean, this is, this is our number one health crisis. And, it's very clear um, which which party is focused on addressing this um, in a way that serves us. And so for us, this is this is truly life or death. Yeah, no question about it. It, it most certainly is. Uh, I'll be in Nashville for the uh, special session that mm -hmm. the expulsion of the Justins has caused. I'm not sure yep. what they're really going to do in the, in the Republican Assembly, but we'll see. Yep. But folks, this fight is everywhere. And um, uh, had a conversation with uh, Reverend James Lawson, one of the apostles of nonviolence. And we talked about gun violence and, and how, you know, we somehow need to bring the understanding and the principles of nonviolence back to address this crisis. Um, so people really can understand, you know, Dr. King did just give a speech on August 28, 1963. I mean, he was someone that talked about it, this, this was the most violent nation in the world. And now the violence has been turned inward. Um, and we've got to do something about that. So, um, brother, uh, of course, folks, we would expect nothing less, Community Justice Action Fund, nothing less than for them to endorse the Biden and Harris administration. But as, as brother Greg has laid out, uh, a lot of this is on us. A lot of this is up to us, us getting directly involved if we care. Uh, and there's no reason why we shouldn't, because it's touched all of us. And as he said, important point that I don't want to be understated. Some of us don't do anything because we think we can't do anything. We don't realize we can actually do something and have power to affect change in this. And that's what they're saying. That's what the Community Justice Action Fund is saying. That's what they're trying to help us understand. How can people get involved? in uh, this Community Justice Action Fund, Greg? Yeah, I mean, the first big thing, which we all do nowadays, just follow us on social media. Uh, we're at uh, CJ Action Fund. 
Um, and so we'd love for you to follow us on all platforms. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, www.cjactionfund.org. And if you want to learn more about the specific crisis of community violence, we have a website called endcommunityviolence.com uh, that really breaks down the approaches, the strategies that we're talking about, and really the, the funding um, that we're starting to see moving um, to support these efforts. So we encourage you to go there to learn more as well. Folks, this is actually the 30th anniversary of the original gang summits. Uh, the, Brother Ben Chavis and Raheem Jenkins and Dick Gregory and all of us were involved in 30 years ago in 1993. And it, it, it brought some peace, brought a lot of truces in the communities, uh, and actually was the precursor to the Million Man March. 30 years wow. ago, 1993. Wow. So, um, Thank you. you know, some of us have been talking about that and, and trying to bring that spirit back together. Uh, and we probably should. But folks, in the meantime, we want you to get down with Community Justice Action Fund, cjactionfund.org. That's cjactionfund.org. Our dear friend and brother Greg Jackson, executive director, announcing that they have endorsed the Biden-Harris administration. And uh, we support them in that. We all should. Let's get up, get into it, and get involved. Thank you, Brother Greg. All righty. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.